This is deep dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. Dr. Laura, welcome to the platform. How you doing? I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited <laughs> to have you here. <laughs> You're looking fabulous, Thank by the way. Thank you. I, I, love, I love the garments. I, I, I love the garments. <laughs> Where you get that from? Where you get that? Uh, Threads by Dreads. Oh, shout yes. out to her. Yes, yes. <laughs> Is she Ghanaian? I believe so. Shout yes. out to her. And a portion of the proceeds goes to fund um, education in okay. her home country. So, ah, yeah. well, yeah. Hey, there, there's some synergy around right, there. Right, absolutely. And so um, we know that, uh, most of us know that you're the executive director of the Tennessee Higher Education Initiative. Yes. Um, we're going to get into that. Yeah. But most importantly, I love when I talk to fellow national natives. Homegirl. Homegirl. Home you know we're unicorns. I know, you know we it are. Ain't too many, it ain't too many of us left. You're absolutely right. And, and so um, I want to, a little bit, just like, how was it for you growing up in Nashville? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I will say this about at least the old Nashville. Growing up young and black in Nashville, and coming from a family without a lot of financial resources, we pretty much stayed in our area. So I think during that time, you could grow up in Nashville and really believe like the city looked like you because your view of the city was so limited. You know, right. um, we lived, um, I went to elementary school at Carter Lawrence, okay. right across from Edge Hill Projects. Right. Then we moved to Golden Valley. And I went to Kings Lane. Oh, I went to Kings Lane. I went to Kings Lane. I graduated from White's Creek High School. So my world, for the most part, was pretty much, you know. Wow. That that was that was my. Hood, I wonder if you know if some you of my people. I probably know. I wonder if you know some of my people. Because so so so. My daddy graduated from White's Creek. So just so. Now, wait a minute. Are you trying to say I'm as old as? No, daddy? I don't know. No, I don't know. Just... My mama graduated from White's Creek. <laughs> And so, and so I'm going to tell you how old my daddy is. So okay. My daddy, and most of his siblings went to North okay. High before there was a White Creek. Mm -hmm. And then, so my daddy was born in 62. My mom was born in 70. Okay, I was and born so, in 70. Oh, so you might know my mom. I might. Brene I'm, Cork. The name's not ringing a bell. Okay. The, that doesn't mean anything right. because we're a little bit older. Uh, right. So maybe if I see the face. <laughs> maybe if I see um, the face. But, but yes. um, Auntie Terry... We'll Terry, have to Terry talk. Potter. We'll yeah, have so to talk and see whole, if we whole, know the whole side. Some of the same people. But mm -hmm. my point was, you know, during that time in Nashville, it felt very small. Right. It felt like you were connected to most, if not everyone in your circle. And this new Nashville is interesting. Yeah. So I left, went away to graduate school, married a family, and I've been back full time about five years. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's been close to five years that I've okay. been back full time, and it's a different city. Um, it's interesting yeah. to feel like um, at times an outsider mm. in my own hometown because parts of it have changed right. so tremendously. You know, even coming back home in the whole Gulch area, uh, my husband, his family lives not far from the Gulch. And, you know, having spent those early, early years in the Edge Hill Project area, I'm like, this is so different. Like, <laughs> this is different. Um, so I definitely think some of the progress has been good. Other parts of the progress seriously concern me. Mm. So I'm glad to be in Nashville 
during this time right. to be part of that conversation and possibly part of the change for the better. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's 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 crazy that you that you worded it like that because I try to I, I break it down to people the same way. I didn't know Nashville was so white. Exactly. Like the plainly right. yes. put it. In a nutshell, in a nutshell. same <laughs> thing. Yes, in a nutshell. Yes, yeah. I didn't know because right. like I was in my community bubble. Right. You exactly. know, and so everybody looked at it like me mm-hmm. and reflected, even the teachers in the school, everything, right. students, everybody, 99.9%. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And so when you get out and like, oh. Oh, <laughs> this is going on. <laughs> right. Um, so I want to, so you, so you left, came back, been mm-hmm. back five years. Right. Prior to taking the position mm-hmm. with the, um, what were you doing before that? So in, I've done a, a lot of different. I've done a lot of different things. I've taught. Mm-hmm. I'm a certified Montessori teacher. Okay. I've led schools, um, primarily charter schools. I've taught in private schools. Before coming back to Nashville full time, I did some contract work with a Metro Nashville Public Schools okay. through a company out of Boston, working with the Priority Schools. So although I've been back five years. I was in and out of Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, kind of tangentially seeing some of the change that was taking place and seeing some of our communities that were being left behind. Right. Um, so when I came back to Nashville full time, I worked for the Family Center. Okay. And we were working with um, families um, experiencing incarceration and how do we go about reunifying the family mm. pre-release so that post-release we have this opportunity um, to have a whole family unit. Right. So when I saw the position for THEI that married education, which is my love, because when you're an educator, where are you? You under a rock. You behind a door, you're in a prison and you need some education. Let me bring this transformative and liberative power of education to you. Right. So when I saw this opportunity to really harness education as a social justice object Mm -hmm. um, and to also have this opportunity to deal with trauma Mm -hmm. um, in one position, I was like, this is something I want to apply to do. This is something I think I should do. You know, Max Licato talks about the sweet spot. So we go to school, we have this education, we have these skills that we've developed, we have these giftings, and where all of these things intersect Mm -hmm. is the sweet spot. Mm. And the work at THEI is definitely the sweet spot for me, for people who've never had the opportunity to work behind the wall, I still a year in don't have all the words to express what it's like to walk into um, a carceral facility, to hear those doors closed, to walk down the hall or to walk across the yard and have the opportunity within this system of harm Mm -hmm. to sit down and really, I say it all the time because it explains it well, and bring this transformative and liberative power of education behind the wall. It is our hope, it is our prayer that our brothers and sisters will all come home at some point. Mm -hmm. But if they don't, in their words, there's a liberation that they experience 
through this educational program, our students tell us that when they're in class, they feel like a person. Right. Imagine that. Yeah. Humanizing. I feel like I'm humanized. Mm -hmm. I'm seen. My thoughts are listened to and respected. So, yeah, it's, it's incredible work that I feel, yeah, really honored, privileged, and blessed to do. Well, let's dive right into it then. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I got a lot of questions. You got a lot of questions. I, I got, hope I got some answers. I, 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 I believe you do. <laughs> um, but I, I want to start off like the word justice, right? Because mm -hmm. I think that's a broad term. It and it can mean different things yeah. um, for different people. So in the capacity that you are working in with those who may be currently incarcerated or formerly incarcerated, mm -hmm. Um, what does that word mean to you? And what does that look like? Oh my gosh, you came out with the big gun. <laughs> what does justice mean to me? I'm still, I, I will tell you that prior to taking this position, I thought I really knew mm. what justice was. What was it prior? I think it was just ensuring that people it's now mind you my background primarily was pre-k through 12 education right was ensuring that each individual had the opportunity to reach and or access their full potential and if there were barriers removing those barriers mm -hmm. um all of that has changed in the past year although you read about um our criminal justice or our criminal legal system it's quite, it's one thing to read about it. Mm -hmm. It's quite a different situation to, to observe it up close and personally. So I don't, I don't want to sit here and pretend that I have it all figured out because I don't. I'm a year into this and literally week by week, my definitions and my understandings change as we have the opportunity to work with new students, with new right. systems, and encounter new barriers. Um, not trying to sidestep it. I'm just, I'm just being real. I'm a, well, I'm gonna throw another one at but you. The, the, I hope it's not that big. <clears throat> I'm not. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna simplify right. it for you. Yeah. Can we have? Is is there such thing as justice in this mm. country, especially when we talk about the criminal legal system? Is is it? Do we, is, have we even seen what that looks like? And I think that's, therein lies the problem. Mm. Like what, what is the standard? Right. What is the measure? I love to cook. Um, and, and I bring that up because when you're cooking, although you can make some modifications to the recipe, you have a standard for how to bake a cake. Right. You have a standard for how to make shrimp scampi, and then you can make some modifications to it, you know, to suit your liking. Mm -hmm. But when we think about the system within which we're attempting to mm -hmm. bring in this liberative power of education, what is the standard right. for justice? I, I don't know that we've ever seen that. Um, I don't even know that we fully know what that is, given, um, given the origin mm -hmm. of our current legal system, at least our current carceral system. Um, Being that it is the grandchild of slavery, right. how do we get back to what is justice? Right. Yeah. Um, you brought up your 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 educational experience from K to twelve, right? right? And so it's kind of it's kind of it's, it's, I thought of it like kind of kind of ironic in a way 
that you are now working with uh, those that are currently or formerly incarcerated around education, and then you have this big scheme thing around the school to, to prison, prison pipeline. pipeline. How does that intersect with what you do currently and what you've seen? And right. are you seeing like, oh, I this is how, this yeah. is how black boys specifically. Yeah. You know, I think end up been, here. Have you been eavesdropping? No, I haven't been eavesdropping. I think you've been eavesdropping. <laughs> and so I, I think that's why, I don't think, I know that's why it's taking me longer to fully formulate my complete thoughts around this work that I'm doing. Because to be on this end mm -hmm. of the school to prison pipeline is mind-blowing. Mm. When we have the opportunity to speak to our students and they talk about their prior school trauma, it's so clear to me mm -hmm. how so many of our students ended up where they are now. Mm. And it started with the failure of our school system for many of them. So it's, it's interesting to be on this, um, this side of the story. And it's compelling me to begin to have more of those conversations with the district now mm -hmm. so that teachers can fully understand Right. and own their role. Right. Like you have an obligation to ensure that students learn how to read and write and do arithmetic, but it's so much mm -hmm. larger and greater than that. Right. And I would really like to invite them to come with me and see the stakes, Right. to see what's at stake when we don't get it right on this pre-K through 12 level. And you brought up trauma too. Um, mm -hmm. And this this is this question is a little bit of a twist, because mm -hmm. um, I because I know, you know, somebody, um, a student that you're working with can you know articulate their trauma and and paint that picture. But I wonder, does that bring up anything within you personally mm -hmm. um, that you maybe didn't know that was there? Um, just residual effects from just working through you know, K through twelve or just your personal journey to where you are now? Absolutely, I think if it didn't, I wouldn't be well suited to do this job. Mm. I say that if you're able to go behind those walls every day, mm -hmm. or how often I go, and not be at all affected by what you see, by what you hear, and you feel nothing, it's probably not the type of work that you need to be doing. Mm. So absolutely, um, prisons are typically located in remote areas, which entails a drive to the facility and a drive away from the facility. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that hour, two or three hour drive to really prepare myself mentally to go in and um, work with the students we're privileged to work with. I'm also thankful for that hour two, three hour drive home to really process all that I've seen, all that I've heard, mm -hmm. and all that I have felt um, during my visit there. So definitely, I think um, it's one of the reasons why at THEI we have a self-care stipend, because this is hard work, right. but it's also heart work. Right. Um, and we realize that. So it's it's really important to not not just pretend right. <laughs> like you didn't feel it, like you didn't see it, but to acknowledge it, 
deal with it, and take good care of yourself. So absolutely, there have been times when hearing a story that a student shared about something that happened in elementary or middle school, I've thought about my own experience as a teacher. You know, right. what did I do? Uh, or what did I do that I shouldn't have done? Or mm. what didn't I do that I needed to do mm. or would have done? Hindsight is twenty twenty. Had right. I had the hindsight of being on this end of the spectrum, things that I would have, could have, should have done differently. Mm. Um, you have children of your own. I do. How does that hit you being a mother mm -hmm. and seeing all these black and brown bodies, poor bodies? Right you know, um, encaged. Yeah. Um, and knowing that, you know, this, this world is a little, little rougher and tougher and harder. Right. This, this system, right. you know, on black and brown bodies. Yeah. Does that hit you a little different too? Knowing that, um, you can do the best job possible as mm -hmm. a mother or as Absolutely. a father. I don't know of any black mother or father that doesn't feel that even prior mm -hmm. to doing this work, mm -hmm incarceral uh, systems, you know, every black parent has the talk, right? Right. You have the talk with your children, especially if you have sons, and I have two sons and a, and a daughter. Um, so yeah, of course, I feel the weight mm -hmm. of that. I felt the weight of that before this work, just in watching the news and living in my community mm -hmm. and seeing the unequal treatment right. of, of black, black and brown children. Um, so certainly going behind the wall right. and seeing all of this brilliance, right. seeing all this black abundance um, caged has certainly... Um, caused me to have some nights of reflection, not just about my children, right. but about everyone in prison is somebody's child, right? right? Somebody's uncle, mm -hmm. somebody's daddy. Right. Um, and just now I find myself when I see children in the neighborhood just thinking, what can we do to be the community for this child, mm -hmm. for that child? Because that's really what it takes. Um. I know uh, one of y'all's tagline is like this disrupt system of harm through right. education. Mm -hmm. um, harm uh, is a that, that stood out to me um, mm -hmm. because I think I believe we're a country that just has an infatuation with harm Absolutely. and punishment. But how could we not, given our founding? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you see a way to pivot around harm? around punishment, given what you see every day. Um, and I know education is a way that you all are using mm -hmm. to disrupt it. Um, but 90% of uh, our, our, our brothers and sisters that are incarcerated come home. 95%. You know, 95%. Oh, it's not. 95% are coming home. Not reentry. Maybe five years, maybe 10 years, wow. maybe 20 years, but 95%. 95, I got to up that 95% are coming home. 95% are coming home. Absolutely. And uh, we'll speak about this later, right. but the reentry barriers. Right. The reentry barriers are real. One of the things I say is like you just alluded to, 95% of our sisters and brothers behind the wall are coming home at some point. Mm -hmm. And if we continue to do what we've always done within three years, 47% will return to incarceration. If we look at that over a five-year trajectory, 75% will return to incarceration. However... 
We know that when we introduce post-secondary educational options while the individual is incarcerated, we mm -hmm. reduce the risk of recidivism by 48%. Wow. So it really is a game changer because we know, we know mm -hmm. the difference that education makes. Right. I think, first of all, it really speaks to the persistence of the students we get to serve. It's hard enough to pursue a degree in the free world. Right. Less knowing in a system that is doing everything it can to prevent you from persisting and completing that degree on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I also like to tell people that in the 10 years we've been doing this work, no one for whom we have coordinated a degree has returned to incarceration. Wow. So that speaks to that circle of support, that community mm -hmm. that we put around students as they prepare to be released, right. as they prepare to be released and post um, release. So if you look at the entirety of it, of the system, it can really become overwhelming. And I know for me, it could be easy to get into this mindset of, I can't break the entire system, so why even try? Um, but this is the part that we can do. Right. And then we join with other nonprofits that do the part that they can do. And this organization does the part that it can do. But right. the part that we do and do well is bring education as that liberative force right. and then support our students pre-release and post-release because you know recidivism is important that recidivism rate is important you know I, we all like to say you know zero percent have returned for whom we have coordinated a degree but not returning to prison is the low bar right right yeah that is the low bar right. not being back <laughs> in prison what are we doing so that people can have a complete and full life and thrive? Right. And so that's where our reentry team really picks up. So, yeah, not going back to prison is important, right. but that's down here. Right. Yeah, we want to do so much more than that. I want to go so many different ways with this. It's, where do you want to go? Where it's, you want to so, go? It's so much. Uh, okay. It's so it's so much. You got another big gun? Uh, got? I got I got like <laughs> I got like ten of them things. I got ten of them things. But I want I want to ask you this question. Um, we know you all have proof, mm -hmm. the stats, mm -hmm. that the programs that you all develop and initiate work. Mm -hmm. They literally, you know, save lives. Amen. Um, <laughs> why don't we have more support from our government to have more of these programs to keep more people from going or in or returning mm -hmm. um, to jails or prisons. Yeah. I will say this. Um, Pell is on the verge of being fully restored. You know, with the 1984 crime bill, Pell um, was no longer available to incarcerated individuals. We're now in this stage of second chance Pell where a limited number of schools have signed up and are now facilitating HEP or higher education and prison programs through Second Chance Pell. And in 2023, Pell will be fully restored. And I believe at that time, we are going to see, we're already seeing it, this explosion of colleges and universities looking to get into the HEP space. Okay. I don't know what their motives are. Their motives might be increased enrollment, additional revenue, but I think regardless of their motives, it's an incredible opportunity for organizations like mine that do this work 
with a mind toward liberation, mm -hmm. to be at the table, to be part of the conversation, to ensure that there are high quality programs that are really preparing students for release mm -hmm. um, and providing support post-release. Um, interestingly enough, in Tennessee, there's an incredible amount of support okay. for higher education in prison programs. Okay. Over half our budget comes from the state funding our work um, in Tennessee prisons. I don't think that's the case everywhere, but again, it's an incredible time to be having these conversations in Tennessee. We're also connecting with folks in North Carolina. We're connecting with folks in South Carolina to have these conversations like you have this opportunity to take advantage of Pell, mm -hmm. but we want to be sure you utilize it responsibly, right? right? That you're bringing in high quality programming for our sisters and brothers behind the wall right. that's truly preparing them um, for success post-release. Right. Um, I was looking at y'all website and you got a stat here, right? <laughs> It says through the uh, through the the program, right? Mm -hmm. It costs three thousand seven hundred and ten dollars mm -hmm. per year. Mm -hmm. um, that's the um, that's 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 the cost for a student to go mm -hmm. one student to go through y'all's program, right? Where there is you know twenty eight thousand and forty three dollars per year mm -hmm. to keep somebody right. incarcerated. Mm -hmm. That was mind blowing to me. Right. That is crazy mm -hmm. to me. That the value, right, is right. it's it's just mind blowing. Right. And then you you start to think about you know these private prisons and the revenue Absolutely. and the and the money that they are making off of the bodies that's in right. there. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's news to anyone that prisons are about money. That's not news. But it's, it's, it's not <laughs> if it news. is news, then we have some more <laughs> education to do. It's, it's, it's yeah. not news, but I think for me. You hear a lot of, uh, you know, restorative justice mm -hmm. talk, right? Right. And a, and, a, and a lot of these conversations that we recognize that we have a, a problem. Mm -hmm. And a, a, we recognize that we got a, a crime problem. Mm -hmm. But clearly, you know, prisons are not the answer. Right. They're not. They're not rehabilitative yeah. in general. Yeah. And so, right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, like, okay, but we see that education is is a is a is a, is an answer, right? Right, and so it just that's that's the mind boggling part mm -hmm. when I think about our incarceration system and how it just recognizes it don't work. However, right. it doesn't work. <laughs> but we're gonna make sure we funnel. We're gonna keep right. funneling money it's instead a of dollar industry Absolutely. instead of putting money in something else that you know. Let's try something different, mm -hmm. which is this. Let's get more programs like these. Let's get right. let's get more right. of those things going. Mm -hmm. Put the money behind that, Absolutely. and I, and let's see if it works. Let's see if right. you know we have uh, a less harmful country, society, right. absolutely communities. Well, we're certainly spreading that gospel at THEI. We are spreading the gospel far and wide, and we're sharing with people the work that we're doing at THEI, how we're bringing these different partners together between the Department of Correction, um, the Department of Labor and Workforce Development, community colleges, four-year colleges, how we're bringing all of these people together to facilitate a high-quality, outcome-based higher education in prison 
program, yeah, the system does not work. Mm -hmm. And again, if you look at it too long, you'll just say, forget it. Right. Um, but no, we're using this time um, and this opportunity, like this convergence of events. Right to really spread the gospel about what can be done through mm -hmm. higher education and prison programming. Um, how does one that is currently incarcerated mm -hmm. become eligible to participate yeah. um, in one of the programs that you all offer? That's a great question. So prior to this year, we were only in three prisons. Okay. We have now received funding to coordinate degree programs in every direct run prison in the state. Oh, wow. It, Congratulations. It, thank you. Thank you. We, we're super excited. So we've started that rollout of, um, you know, expanding to each prison will be fully expanded by January. Okay. So we've started the process. So what we do is we have an informational session at the facility um, and we work with the facility. One of the barriers we have is people being prevented from coming to the informational uh, mm. session. So we're working with the higher-ups at TDOC to be sure everyone knows about the programming. And if you have a high school credential, you're eligible. Okay. Period. If you need remedi remedial instruction, once you start, we coordinate that. But all you need is a high school credential and a willingness to persist and do the work. What are so like that's yeah. hey, I mean it just doesn't get even right. Yeah, it's, it's very simple. Well, well I think and too before I move on to the next yeah. question, I think too that that's the point. Mm -hmm. Right. I think um people that are already disenfranchised, marginalized, there's already enough barriers. Let's not create more barriers Absolutely. when we're trying to help like we you know, we see things right. like that. They're like, mm -hmm. Oh, we, if you want to help help people like it shouldn't be. It should be little to no barriers. Absolutely. Um. So that's awesome. That is just that simple. It really is that simple. So for you know, in Tennessee, anyone can pursue an associate degree through Tennessee Promise. Right. So the same is true on the inside. And so for our four-year degree partners, um, we do the FAFSA. Um, we utilize Pell, and for any cost that's not covered, mm -hmm. THEI covers it or the college or university writes it off. So even for students pursuing their bachelor's degree, right now we have a program through Lane, okay. which is the first HBCU bachelor's degree program in Tennessee behind the wall. Wow. So we're super excited about that. They're at one facility, they'll be in two of our facilities next year, and then Belmont okay. University also has a program um, oh, wow. behind the wall that we coordinate. No cost to the student, not not a single penny. And so um, I know that if you have a, a felony, mm -hmm. um, funding could be an issue. Getting federal funding could be an issue for college. And mm -hmm. so is there something, say I, you know, um, graduated high school, um, uh, committed an offense, you know, um, and did some time in prison and have mm -hmm. a felony, but I didn't have the opportunity to go through a D program. Mm -hmm. But I still want to get um, some type of education. But I know ah, I can, maybe I can't afford it in the free world. In the free world, once you're released, yeah, mm -hmm. and once I once I release, I'm back. In, right. I'm back in the free world, mm -hmm. back in the community. Um, is D a part a, a place that I could go and seek a, assistance with trying yeah. to get that educational development? 
So one of the things that we really struggle with at THEI is our point of entry is behind the wall. Okay. And once we engage with you behind the wall, your family, like you're, we're with you for life. We're with you post-release. But heretofore, we've not engaged with formerly incarcerated students already in the free world. Our okay. point of entry is behind the wall, okay. and we continue with you afterwards. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, just, I just wondered that because I know many times if you... If, if you've been incarcerated, you probably know others who have. Right. And then you're like, hey, you know, I went through this program. Exactly. I'm you on know? the inside. <laughs> yeah, I'm on yeah, the inside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then maybe they can help you on the outside, right. too. Mm -hmm. uh, because you all create that alumni program, right. that exactly. family, and you exactly. all are sticking with them mm -hmm. through through death does, a, the death does us part. That's right. You know, and so that's I think right. that's amazing. Yeah. But I wanted to get clarity around it, too, I just because yeah. somebody might, you know. And we do know. have people approach us now. The They're, they're called Reconnect Navigators. Okay. We can um, direct them to, to them, um, and they can help them get everything squared away. But us, our entry point is behind the wall. Um, I'm curious. What, what is the like? What is the the most challenging part about your job? That's that's a good question. Yeah, I'm just because <laughs> um, you know it's a lot. I mean, um, I will say there's several parts that are challenging, but I think I'll, I'll just speak honestly. It's um, the relationship building mm. with people from every political view, mm -hmm. every religious view, every social justice view, um, and being able to sit at the table and have conversations because if I leave the table, then our students don't get served. So it's really being able to sit with anyone about the work. Mm. I think that is the most, I don't think, I know that's the most challenging part of the work. And there are people that are critical. You know, when I sit at the table with certain people, the response is, I can't believe you're having a conversation with this entity or this organization. Mm -hmm. And my response is, first of all, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'll say it. I'm going to go ahead and say it because I've said it to my board. If Pablo Escobar's family has mm. some money that they're going to give us to help me get people free, right. I'm taking it because I don't know where the clean money is in America. Mm. If you show me how we measure clean money in America, but I haven't been able to figure out where clean money is. When I think about foundations and organizations and I trace them back like where is the clean money but what I do know is I need to get my people free mm. through this education and I can't do that right without resources so that's that is definitely right now the most difficult part of the job is like sitting down and saying to myself how does this affect students how does this move our mission and our vision? Right. Yeah. And so there's actually pushback. I, you think? Yeah. It's actually, hold on. This yes. is, this is it's yes. actually pushback from community members. Right. On trying to educate those that are currently incarcerated. It, the pushback is um, 
well, I think you should do this work, but you shouldn't be having conversations with this organization. I think you should do this work, but you shouldn't take money from this foundation. Mm. And my question back to them is, so where is the line? Right. And who sets it right. as to the good money? Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Is there any, or has there been? I'm, I'm gonna wonder if I'm gonna want that in there, but <laughs> <laughs> it's in there. We can we 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 in there, Doctor Lo. We in there. We in there. Yeah, I'm gonna wonder if I'm gonna want that in there, but that's that's real talk. That's deep. Dish. That's real talk that we have to have serious conversations about because typically it's people with more entitlement that are mm. telling me where the clean money and the dirty money is. Yeah, that's ironic. Yeah, the irony. Yeah. That, that tends to yeah. be the case, yeah. you know, in this country. Mm -hmm. Is there ever any pushback from prisons? About education? About education and, 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 and wanting to educate the, uh, the population. I will say that, that the, pu the pushback is not outright. Okay. But there's certainly um, barriers that are often put... Um, <laughs> barriers put out there that make it more difficult to okay. facilitate the education. Um, yeah, there's certainly barriers, not at every facility, right. some facilities more so than others. Um, student barriers. I'm curious if some facilities um, intentionally try to make it harder for um, the population that they serve and that's currently incarcerated at their facility to um, experience a whole some education that you all are offering. Mm -hmm. And so those are the barriers I'm talking about. Like okay. we have facilities that don't allow technology of any sort. Okay. Like of any sort. Um, yeah, even when I was in college, we had technology. Um, so that, that certainly makes it um, more challenging. Um, arbitrary rules that are sometimes put in place mm -hmm. um, that provide barriers. I don't know that I want to go into details because, right. again, these are people that I have to sit at the table with and right. maintain good relationship with because if not, if we can't get in the door, right. we can't facilitate the education. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, demographically, mm -hmm. um, I'm a, you all serve both men and women prisons? We're just or? starting to serve. We just started to serve our first female prison. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Okay. We just started a month ago. I know mm -hmm. they're excited about that. Yes. Very. We're excited about it. Mm -hmm. um, who do you see, I guess, taking advantages mm -hmm. um, of, the, of these opportunities? Mm -hmm. um, is it the black, the brown, the white, all the above? It's all. It's It's all. Like, we don't have a shortage of people that want access mm. to programming. I can't even say that it's, you know, it's our Caucasian students, our black students, our Hispanic students. It's like everybody wants it. Right. They do. They, right. I mean, yeah. No, that's amazing. And yeah. they're showing that initiative. Right, absolutely. <laughs> right. And because it does take a lot of initiative mm -hmm. to pursue a, a degree behind the wall students again i'll just say have lots of barriers even getting to and from class each day is a series of choices and a search that has to take place right. individually of each person right before class 
and after class, sometimes missing meal or having to have a meal mm. really late, sometimes missing recreation time, sometimes missing, you know, phone time that you would be able to call your family. But they make that sacrifice because they know in two or three years, right. I'm going to have this degree. Right. Mm -hmm. um, going inside of those walls. Mm -hmm. How many visits do you think you make a year? Like in a year, how many visits? I certainly don't make as many visits as our academic coordinators. Okay. So our academic coordinators are there at least once a week, multiple times a week. Wow. Our transitional programs team is there to meet with people pre-release. So I certainly don't right. visit as frequently as they do. I've been with the organization a year, and if I had to guess, I've probably been into different facilities Maybe twenty times okay. in a year. That's mm -hmm. a lot. That's yeah, a lot of times. It's, it's a lot. It yeah, is. It's a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, I asked that question because right. I, like, I, want, I wanted to get a, a scope of like how many times you've seen it and ask you, mm -hmm. do you think um, that the structure of what prison looks like ever changes? Does it ever becomes more rehabilitating? The environment of it become more rehabilitating um, for those who, you know commit offenses mm -hmm. allegedly or right or, or outright right um do you think it, it ever becomes something that can be holistic where people can really rehabilitate and and get educational programs and get therapy and all of those mm -hmm. things because we we are really trying to right um help out those folks those 95 percent right that are um, coming that, home that are coming home I have seen, and so again, I've only been at this a year. Mm -hmm. I have been surprised um, at the um, openness regarding some of the ideas we brought in. Okay. I, I'm not saying it's wonderful. I'm not saying that this is like, you know, a great place to be, but I've been surprised at the openness, like even with the Lane program. We want to bring in this HBCU bachelor's degree program, and the response was we think that would be great. Mm -hmm. um, I was on a Zoom before we got here talking about additional mental health resources that are about to be brought in. Mm -hmm. um, if this is the continuum and this is the beginning and this is the end. We're still right here at the beginning. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about some of the gains that we're making here in Tennessee. And I'm saying very cautiously. And, again, I don't want anyone to misunderstand that I'm saying this is wonderful, that it's rehabilitative, because it's not. Right. But I'm saying you have to start somewhere, and right. we're pushing the envelope, and we're getting mm -hmm. a good response to the things we've requ we're requesting. I, I'm, I'm curious because of your connection to the Tennessee prisons, and mm -hmm. I wonder what your relationship is like with these people I'm going to name. Right? Mm -hmm. okay. I think Martisha Johnson, our chief public defender, mm -hmm. um, Chief Drake, our police chief here, mm -hmm. and um, our DA, Glenn Funk. Mm -hmm. um, and possibly the mayor. I don't know. Mm -hmm. what, but I think like those three primarily who are all black folks. Mm -hmm. Not the mayor. Not the mayor. Uh, not the mayor. Of Punk, but Chief Drake and Martisha right. Johnson. Mm -hmm. Right. As far as I'm not talking about legal system, mm -hmm. criminal legal system and law enforcement. Um, do you have a relationship with, with those individuals and. And what are those conversations like? I don't. Really? I don't. I've just uh, 
you know, started serving on, um, I was appointed, not a close relationship with the mayor, but was just appointed by the mayor to um, a council. But with the other individuals, I've met Chief Drake. Mm -hmm. I don't have a relationship with him because when THEI enters, that process has already occurred. These individuals are already incarcerated right. and we're coming in to coordinate education right. and to provide pre-entry and re-entry support so we're just kind of like on different parts right. of the continuum and you all focus specifically on prison and not jail right we do right. not okay. do jail education that's okay. correct because we not that we wouldn't but we really want students to have the time if at all possible to begin mm-hmm. and complete right and, and then, then which which is a slippery slope we talk about jail right it it because well, they might <laughs> they might they, they might they might be there for five years before they get a, a, a trial or yeah. you know so which is which is which is yeah. crazy but you know it happens so we had a i had a conversation with shelby county two weeks ago about doing a pilot Okay. in one of their jails okay. just to see if it would be feasible um, because we want the students to get far enough along that they will be able to complete. Like if they're right. going to be released in a year, we just, yeah, we want to see if it's right. possible. Could we provide the support? Mm-hmm. Right. So we'll, I'll let you know how that yeah, turns no. out. Mm-hmm. No, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think um, you and Marticia, our, our, uh, Chief Public Defender, y'all mm-hmm. should definitely connect. We probably should. Like we maybe I should. maybe I could connect. Why don't y'all. you do that? I think I'm gonna do that. Homeboy. Yeah, I'm gonna th- I think I should do that. <laughs> right. No, because like, because I think the more collective voices you all have mm-hmm. around these things, around what does this change look like in our criminal legal mm-hmm. system and mm-hmm. our uh, penitentiaries and things like mm-hmm. that, and, and you know they have to come in contact. You, they either come in contact right. with. Marticia, mm-hmm. <laughs> Chief Drake, right. or you at Absolutely. some at some point. So right. it seems like that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It um, does make sense for for a conversation to be happening or figuring out like, hey, yeah. how can we how can we work together in, in some weird way? Right. Um, right. So yeah, I'll be honest with you. For the first year, I just had my head down. Mm. Like I'm a Nashvilleian, but I left. Right. And coming back in this new position, my thing was I need to know my work. Right. I need to do my homework and know my work before I put my head up and start making these connections in the community. Because if I don't know what I'm talking about, I really don't need to be talking about the work. Right. So it's been a year for me to really feel like, okay, I kind of know. I kind of know the work that we do. Um, I know our imprint. I know our impact. And now I can begin to have those conversations with people in my community. Uh, what What is one of the things that you learned? About like about either about yourself or the work that just kind of surprised you as you've been going through this this journey for the last mm-hmm. year. I think I knew this, but I know it more de- deeply now. Is that um, community is important? Mm. I mean, I I've always known that. Okay, I'm gonna throw this one yeah, out you. Yeah. I'm gonna throw this mm-hmm. one out you because um, I've talked to like a lot right. of judges, mm-hmm. a lot of attorneys, candidates, mm-hmm. and. One of the things that they all kind of bring up a lot of times is like, hey, if I can if I can be put out of my job, it'll be great. Um, but it can't just be me. Right? Mm-hmm. It has a lot of stuff has to happen in, in within and with community mm-hmm. because when they get to me, mm-hmm. it's kind of too late. Right. And so I know you all are really ingrained in that family mm-hmm. commu- a community resource. 
Um, what can people do in community to better support those uh, from entering mm-hmm. the penitentiary system or re-entering, re-entering. The, the free world right. community um, from being formally incarcerated? Yeah. I'm going to answer that. But what I was about to say is community is important. So even in carceral systems, there are distinct communities mm-hmm. um, that exist and I think people assume, well, you know, maybe those communities have a negative connotation. But no, there's real, positive, important, serious community that already exists. So we've got our community in the carceral systems. Um, we have our community outside the carceral systems. And just really thinking, I think we think those are very different. Mm-hmm. And they're not. Mm. Community is community. People want to belong. They want to matter. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. Now on to your question of what can our larger community do. One of the things we've just launched is called Just One, where we have engaged primarily uh, black faith-based organizations to partner with us to support just one of our alumni. Okay. Um, we had a wonderful session at the house last month, kind of walking them through what that looks like because traversing reentry is is difficult. It's no small feat. Um, so that's one of the things the community at large can do for people reentering society is come alongside nonprofits um, like THEI mm-hmm. um, and support our students as they traverse reentry. Um, but that's after they've been incarcerated. Right. What can we do on this other end of the spectrum to prevent um, incarceration? And I think you see some of those things happening now. The community coming together, like I said, it has really um, made an impact on me to think about my career as a pre-K through 12 educator, mm-hmm. my work in coaching principles. Um, that's come full circle now, like what lessons can we share with that community for students that we see that are, are marginalized or having difficulty or dealing with trauma, community-based trauma or trauma in their home? Um, what supportive factors can we put around them mm-hmm. to prevent them from entering um, the crim- criminal legal system? But community, again, you said, what did I learn? That community matters. Right. I mean, we say it so generally, oh, my community, my community. But it really matters. So, so, so this is the challenge that I took on to myself, and I, I'm gonna I'm set this up with a question. You so gotta set it up, okay? I'm set, set it up. up. Set it up. Because I had to think about when I started thinking about restorative justice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, talked to all of our fabulous judges and things, and learned about what that mm-hmm. really meant, right? Mm-hmm. About that, you know, really forgiving mm-hmm. a person that might have committed a, a harmful act against mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's broke my car window, right. broke into my house, mm-hmm. you know, physically harmed me, right? Mm-hmm. It can be different spectrums mm-hmm. of, of that, right? Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they have to take accountability, right. and we have to be able to sit down exactly. and have a conversation, mm-hmm. right? And, exp- and, 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 and go through that together. And I started thinking about it like, ah, you know, that's kind of tough. That's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I, and I started to play back in my mind, like, how many times I've heard people say, man, lock them up, you know, throw them in the jail. They need to go to prison. And I was like, 
do do we actually as a as a as a country as a society do do we really want to get rid of like prisons? Do we really mm-hmm. want to practice restorative justice? Are we really capable of that? Because we could all just be indoctrinated and conditioned to, you know, punishment without even knowing, right? Mm-hmm. We might be infatuated subconsciously, not even knowing. And I just mm-hmm. thought about my own thoughts mm-hmm. of what I felt should happen to people. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe of what I wanted to personally do to people. Mm-hmm. Um in my upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so I pose that to you. Do you feel that when we talk about community, mm-hmm. is community r- really ready to embrace a restorative pivot alternative away from mm-hmm. prison punishment? What happens if we don't? Mm. What happens if we don't? don't How many more prisons can we build? How many more people can we lock up when we know that 95% are coming home, and if we don't do the work of restoration, mm. I mean, can we afford not to embrace it? I, I think because we don't know what that looks like, we never mm-hmm. tried it, I think right. that's the scary part. Mm-hmm. It's like saying we should get rid of policing, which yeah. many people feel like we should, and some people feel like, no, we mm-hmm. need it. We don't know what it, we don't know what no policing looks like to, yeah. to really truly measure what it will or will it won't do to yeah. communities. Will it make yeah. communities safer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, right. will, or, or will things turn into the wild, wild west? We don't know what it's like to be in true community with each other, given mm. the founding of our country. How mm. could we? Mm. Um, but I think it's worth the try. Yeah. Because we know what we're doing now isn't working. Right. We know it's not working. Right. And so what is the definition of insanity? Right, doing the same, same thing. Same thing, expecting a different result. So we can't continue right. to do the same thing, which is why, you know, I take it back to the little part that we can do. I don't have all the answers, but I know the little part that THEI is doing, mm-hmm. and that's we have our brothers and sisters that are behind the wall. Mm-hmm. We know that this intervention, if that's what you want to call it, education, is a game changer. And how right. can we do that and do it well and continue to support those sisters and brothers once they're released? I don't think we have the luxury to not think differently about our criminal legal system. We don't have the luxury of not thinking differently about it. Um, I'm going to throw another big one at you right Mm -hmm. now. Um, Power. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people can look at power and think that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Some people can look at it and think it's a a negative thing because depending on how you use that power. Mm -hmm. Dr. Laura, I look at you now as a person that has power in the space, in the lane that you're operating in. I mean, I think your voice is and can be very powerful on the type of social change that we have in our mm-hmm. criminal legal system, within the education realm, mm-hmm. penitentiary, what they may or may not look like. Mm-hmm. Um, being a year in, now you 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 didn't got your head yeah, up. You running? I'm just starting to be like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna right. run it. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> look, 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 I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna look. I got a little job going on. I got a little job going on. You got a job. Have you thought about how to use your power of your voice because you have in a proximity to experiences that everyday people are just mm-hmm. not gonna have. Mm-hmm. Just they just don't. Yeah. Um, which are giving you a very unique perspective. Um, on on what people are are experiencing mm-hmm. on a daily basis and what people need right. in order to be whole and and, and have that confidence mm-hmm. that you spoke about and feel humanized right. um, early in the conversation. Um, have you thought about that? Have you thought yeah. about how you can use that uh, 
your responsibility to speak mm-hmm. and use your voice. Right. I continue to think about it. And so one of the things we're doing at THEI is the Tennessee Prison College Coalition. Okay where we are really codifying the work that we've been doing over the past 10 years, but more specifically the work we've been doing over the past two years to bring partners together and what it looks like to really collaborate um, for the benefit of currently and formerly incarcerated individuals. So we're doing that work through the Tennessee Prison College Coalition. We're also working with Vera and other national organizations to share those learnings because we don't want THEI to be, um, what am I trying to say, an exception. Right. We want to share these learnings so that other states and communities can develop similar programs and get similar outcomes. Mm-hmm. I'm still thinking through the best way for us to amplify Mm. the work that we do and to amplify um, the messages. Um, I I would be lying if I said I had all of the answers, but but we're doing it in small and meaningful ways, like I said, in connecting with people from North Carolina, from Mm -hmm. South Carolina, sharing those learnings as they build their higher education in prison programs. We're doing it when we have workshops. I was just um, in Mississippi, um, in the Mississippi Delta at Mississippi Valley State um, University, which will be the first HBCU in that area to have a program um, behind the wall. Mm -hmm. So we're beginning to use our voice in that way in training their faculty and administration about how to do this responsibly, how to do it in a high quality way with good outcomes, how to ensure that everyone on your team is aware that prison is a system that perpetuates harm right? and how you must come in with this mindset of disrupting harm, even in the small things, even in the language that you use in describing our students. Um, So yeah, it's not fully formulated, but it's, it's coming together. Right. Yeah. Um, this just came to mind when you were speaking. Um, Theta Murphy. You know, do you know? No. She's, I, I don't know anybody. Um, <laughs> ah, I'm a connection to some Because there's so much synergy in, you know, uh, um, Theta is with, uh, Theta, forgive me. Uh, no, no exceptions. Uh, there's no exceptions. I should know this. Sorry, Theta. But it's an organization. They're they're, they're, they're true uh, abolitionists. Okay. And so, you know, um, pretty much the way prisons and things are set mm-hmm. up, pretty much slavery, it, right? They it just, is. They just, and they have that no exception rule in the amendment, right, that pretty much, right. you know, if you're incarcerated, you're pretty much a slave, mm-hmm. which I think it's Amendment 3 on the ballot for November. Yes, I think I've been getting lots of information about it. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. and right. so what I say, and so I wrapped it back around mm-hmm. when I say voices, mm-hmm. I think um, you could have a very powerful voice mm-hmm. in that space when talking about these things because you can paint a picture that because you see it right. and you speak to the individuals that are experiencing it and you have alumni we do that could mm-hmm. show up mm-hmm. and also speak for themselves and, and represent that mm-hmm. that audience that is being right. affected and not have somebody that's speaking for like right. no nah, I've been through it right um so I'm gonna make sure like please I'm please a, I'm do make sure. that we have a we facilitate our work through three portfolios okay we have our academic portfolio, 
we have our transitional programs portfolio, and we have a policy and practice portfolio. So our policy department is the one that meets with legislators, um, that has the parole watch, um, that um, for this upcoming session is putting forth a ban the box initiative for okay. colleges and universities. So yeah, we're using our voice. Yeah. I think in a small way, I right. think there's so much more we could be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's only yeah. been a year, but I wanna right. I wanna do whatever I can do. Please to do. connect you with somebody. Mm -hmm. But uh I had to look it up. Uh, right. No exceptions prison collective. That's what it is. Okay. No exceptions prison. Mm -hmm. Theta Murphy, shout out to her. She's a co director. Here in uh, Tennessee. Here in Nashville. Here in Nashville. Okay. Yep, right right down the street. Wow. Yep. Then and I really powerful. do need to connect with her. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And she's been she done an interview with me, so you can okay. check it out. I will yeah. go back. <laughs> Theta Murphy. <laughs> yeah, but um uh, I got some I got a, I got a few more hippie hitters for you. Okay. Oh uh, Lord, am but, I ready? <laughs> um blackness. Mm -hmm. Right. Um you are a black woman. Um, That's a true statement. And, and, and studied, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. um, African-American literature. Mm -hmm. Yes. I did my research. How do you go to Fisk and not study African-American <laughs> right. literature? I mean, it's right. just, yeah. Um, how has your blackness played a part of the culture cultivated um, at the... Mm -hmm. um, and also just your experience and everything that you just taken in and, and how you internalize it uh, within the work that you're doing. Yeah. I'll start by saying when I was interviewing for the position, I made it clear to the board, like my background, mm -hmm. like I'm a home girl. This is where I grew up. These are my people. Mm -hmm. I'm a first generation college graduate. This is who I am. And at that point, I was turning 51, and I was like, I'm at the point now where if I can't be my complete female black self, mm -hmm. then I can't take this position. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just at a point in my life um, that if I don't, I'm not code switching, right. I'm not pretending. I have to be, I'm not, I have to be fully me to right. be able to do this work. And they accepted that. So the, the blackness goes wherever I go. Mm. It's just, it's just part of who I am. I, I can't leave it behind. But I think it's given me, when we think about the over-incarceration and the over-policing of black and brown um, individuals, um, it, it certainly touched my heart. Mm -hmm. Like it's, this is, this is my work, right. but it's so much more than my work. You know right. what I'm saying? It's yeah. personal. Right. It's, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Except it's truly personal. As the mother of black children, as the daughter of a black man, mm -hmm. you know, my uncles are black. My family is black. This right. is personal um, to me. So I think, does that weigh a little heavy sometimes? What you think? Yeah, of I, I course. Think, how but, could it not? I <laughs> right. mean, yeah. yeah. How could it not? How could I? Yeah. How could it not? So yeah, it certainly informs my perspective. Mm -hmm. It fuels my passion um, for the work. It makes it easy to make those long drives. It mm -hmm. makes it easy to put in those 10, 11, 12 hour days when it when it calls for it because right. it's. Um, it's truly life and death work. Right. Yeah. 
talk about the future. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows Tennessee now? Who knows where things are going uh, uh, politically? Who, I, who, I don't. Who knows, right? I don't. Um, but going into your next year mm-hmm. and the year after that, um, what are some of the goals, mm-hmm. I guess, that you have set um, for thee and kind of the things you want to um, continue to do, maybe mm-hmm. some things you want to implement, um, and kind of just the change you want to, um, the impact and change yeah. you want to have? Absolutely. I definitely want to expand our imprint. Like I said, we'll be in every direct run prison. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to do that scale up mm-hmm. and do it well and do it in a way where we maintain the structural integrity of the organization, that we can continue to support students in a way Mm -hmm. um, that helps them to persist, complete, and to not only not go back to prison, but to live full, full lives um, once they're released. So definitely that. And you've alluded to it already. One of the things I say to the staff is, we've been around 10 years, but we're still a well-kept secret. I still meet people daily who've never heard of us, that don't know what we do. So the first, to scale and to do it well. Right. To scale well. Second, I tell the staff, like to spread the gospel, if you will. Mm-hmm. To ensure that people know about this incredible life-changing work that's taking place in their state because the more people that know about it I've even had friends that have reached out to me that I never would have been comfortable sharing with me I have a nephew I have a niece that's at this facility Mm. can you ensure that they know about the program so Mm. that when they come out they have options and opportunities that they may not have had otherwise scale and spread the gospel those are the first Right. Two goals I have probably in the next year. Um, I think you touched on this a little bit, um, but I want to just do it one right. more time for clarity about how can community once they once they see this, they mm-hmm. say, "Oh, I want to do something." Um, I know you all are nonprofit people. Can always, you know I'm about to, you know what I'm about to say. You probably can always well, we're donate. Non, we're a <laughs> so first, you go to thei.org. There's a donut donate button on each page because this work does not. I'm not afraid to ask for money. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we do good work. Right. And when you do work that you're proud of, you're not afraid to ask people to support it. If you have a little money or a little, a lot of money, we'll take it. Right. We need it. This work is not free. Right. We're traveling to facilities all over the state um, mm-hmm. regularly. We're ensuring that students have supplies. We, wanna, we want highly compensated individuals doing this work. Right. Can I be real with you? Yeah. We don't want people working for pennies. We right. want highly qualified people to come in and do this work. And then we want to take good care of them. Right. You know, we want to pay for their health um, benefits. We want to be sure they have a retirement because this is life-changing work. Right. And they shouldn't have to make incredible sacrifices. Living in Nashville ain't easy, right? It's, and it ain't cheap. It ain't cheap at um, all. So, so we need... We need resources okay. to continue to do this work and to continue to do it at the level at which we have been doing. So first, we'll take your money. Mm-hmm. Second, we will take your volunteer hours. Um, yeah, there's. you could just reach out to us, ample opportunities to volunteer. And then if, if you don't have the money, if you don't have the time to volunteer, just share the gospel. Mm-hmm. 
Share it with someone else, the right. work that we're doing. Right. We need everyone in this city and in this state to know that this program exists because most of us know someone that is behind the wall right. that can take advantage of this program. Um, Dr. Laura, I want to give you uh, the last word, yeah. the last statement. I really enjoyed this. Uh, enjoyed your energy, right. your passion, and your honesty. Mm-hmm. Um and I just think the more we talk about these things, the more people are aware and informed mm-hmm. and just know that there's something that they can do as a community member mm-hmm. to support and try to combat right. some of these things that happen systemically to our community members. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, I want to give you the space to drop whatever gems, whatever you want to leave right. us with um, um, about the work, about yourself and mm-hmm. about kind of, you know, what right. we are, what we may need to do as community members to, to yeah. be in a better place. I think at the end of the day, if you believe that you are your brother's or sister's keeper, if you don't believe that, turn this off right now. But if you believe that you are your brother's or your sister's keeper, then we all have this obligation to be there, to be that support for our sisters and brothers while they're behind the wall, and when they leave incarceration. Regardless of how you feel about the criminal legal system, and I have lots of feelings that I'm not going into today, um, but according to the system standard, when these individuals finish their term, they've paid their debt, whatever that means, to society. So we have this obligation to support them, mm-hmm. like I said, to not only ensure that they don't return to incarceration, but that they are able to live full and fruitful lives. That is our obligation mm-hmm. as our sisters and brothers keeper. So come alongside us and help us do this work and do it well. Dr. Laura, I appreciate yep. your time. Thanks. Looking forward to having you back, too. Yep. You know? I'll come back. I'll come <laughs> yeah. back. I'll be ready for you next time now that I know how you roll. Like, you don't start. You know, I'm used to people just kind of, like, giving you a little softball nah, question, nah. working you up. I you, you, you bust out with, I what's get, justice? I what's get, freedom? I, what's <laughs> I gave you the softball. I said, hey, what was it like growing up in Nashville? That was the warm-up. Yeah, yeah. That was the warm-up. Now I know. It'd be like, was that Ali or Frazier? Yeah, look, it's like, deep dish. We're going we to go, we go deep. We're going to yeah. go deep. Yeah. But, no, I appreciate your time. And um, just keep doing I'm going to give you your bouquet of flowers. Thank you. Keep doing your work as a fellow Nashvilleian. You know, you're making all of us look good as well. And so just thank you for what you're doing and the time and the hours and the energy um, that, you, that, you, that, you, that you're putting in and the weight that you're bearing and, and, and just going into those spaces, yeah. you know, on a regular basis. So thank you and um, thank everybody for listening and watching and Go to the website. Go check out the donate. Your That's time, right. Don't money, donate. Time, money, money yes. whatever. Resources, whatever you have. Right. You know, just, you know, hit up Dr. Laura. She'll figure yes. something out. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you.